0: We have a little bit more to that video, or is that it? Anybody know if that's the... That's what I thought. I thought we had some more.
1: Setenta. Setenta setenta. number
0: Let's pray. Father, we love we love to tell your story. And we're especially excited to be partnered with people in Honduras, in Cambodia, in Ghana. Father, I thank you for the people here who have gone, invested time and effort and money and heart in being Jesus with skin on to the people in these three countries, these three ministries, these three outreaches. We thank you for the multitude of churches that have been planted, even in just a few years both in Honduras and Ghana. We look forward to the work that the Allens are doing in Cambodia, bearing fruit. And we thank you that even when we can't go, we can send and support and pray and be a part of seeing new lives born into the kingdom. Folks that we may never see face-to-face until we sit at Jesus' feet in glory. Thank you. And we ask your blessing on this church that the Pine Tree family realizes how precious its work is and how vital it is, not just in doing your work, but in touching real people and changing lives in changing destiny and outcome for future generations. Thank you for letting us be a part. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to ask you to open your Bibles to Acts 16, verses 6 through 10. We're going to read this passage. It's a familiar passage. And it really is the prelude to the passage that was read earlier from Philippians 1 where Paul says, I give thanks to God in all my memory of you because of your partnership in the gospel. The church at Philippi and the church at Thessalonica were the only two churches we, knew, we know that, let Paul, that Paul let support him financially. He gathered funds for Christians in Jerusalem from many churches, but these two churches supported his ministry. And this is where it all began. Acts 16, verse 6. And they, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of the Lord Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision immediately, we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that the Lord God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Jace Allen, one of your own, and a missionary to Cambodia, someone we heard from last week, is a nephew of one of my very best friends in all the world, Tom Allen. And you see Tom pictured there with Jing shu Kong. She goes by Karen as an English name. Tom is battling Alzheimer's and I was back in Abilene and I was visiting with Tom and in the middle of our conversation Karen called us from China on WeChat. She visited with me a few minutes but she talked to Tom about 10 minutes catching up. Tom could remember everything so clearly from when she was here in the summer and we went out to the ranch. And after he hung up the phone with Karen. He looked at me, and he said, clear as a bell, and much the same as he was when he was one of my elders for nearly a decade. And he said, do you realize how blessed you are to have all these connections with young people all over the world? With tears in his eyes, he said, "Phil, you are so blessed." Rodney joked with you about wanting to get in your pocketbook this morning, and if that didn't work, to find the person in front of you and get in their pocketbook. But it's a privilege to take money and turn it into salvation. Can you think of a better use of money? All the ways we spend it. We're not talking about mission work. We're talking about people. And so I want to share with you a story or two. Because so much of what's happened in my life over the last 35 years, and especially the last seven, have to do with a call to come over to Macedonia and help us. Wouldn't you like to have God speak to you that clearly in a vision and say, come help? But some of you already know what that's like, right? For God to knock on your heart and say, you, I want you to come. And then all of a sudden you're rerouting your whole schedule around a certain time of year where you can go and be a part of a mission team and plant churches and baptize people and love folks and put your arms around school kids and support the Moses Project to help harvest fish, to feed people and to be involved in the lives of kids so that they can go to school but also learn about Jesus. Some of you have received that call. But maybe like me, you had received it and you missed it. In the spring of 2010... Donna and I were, let uh, see if we can get here, Donna and I were in the middle of a whirlwind of emotions. We were trying to learn to be good foster grandparents. That's a unique role because you're never sure how long your grandkids are going to be your grandkids. Two of those foster grandsons we are thankful are our forever grandsons. But we were adjusting to the reality that this little one, that we had known since he was born three weeks premature, after a year and a half with our kids, was going to go back to his mom with all the problems that she was facing. And so that was an emotional pull on our hearts, and it was difficult and challenging Another part of the whirlwind is that God had invited us to be part of a group that went to serve 900 orphans in Lima, Peru, and we had invested our lives in two to six-year-old little girls. Uh, It's hard for old bones to spend seven or eight hours a day on the concrete floor that's filthy, dirty with little kids. It's not the dirt that bothers you. you. We just throw away our clothes at the end of the week. But it's those old bones getting up off that hard concrete. But you begin to see little girls light up that haven't really known love face to face. And so for seven years, we didn't get to go this year because of some health issues that Donna ran into right at the last minute. We invested in those little girls. It all goes back to a Macedonian call. The call really began when a friend at church said, I'm leading an ACU alumni mission trip to Chiang Mai, Thailand. My eyes perked up immediately. I wasn't so much interested in LST, although I love let's start talking and sharing the gospel. But long-term missionary in Chiang Mai, Thailand is Robert Reagan. He had been one of my interns at Westover Hills, I had taken my son and another group of people to Chiang Mai the first year. Some of you may know David Allen, David and Michelle Allen, that are a part of that team and some of the others on that team. Robert had had several tumors that were stage one malignancy tumors in his pancreas, and they had been removed a year and a half previous. And I knew he had, had some health struggles, so I was going to minister to Robert. But while there, God had some other plans for me. And that's a picture of Robert doing a discipling ministry. And over his 25-plus years in Chiang Mai, Robert has interned over 200 young people, both Asian and American, half and half. And they're now leaders all over the church in Asia. But I wanted to minister to Robert. But along the way, God... Captured my heart in a strange and powerful way. We had gone to Thailand to do, let's start talking with Thai people. That makes sense, doesn't it? Except two years previous to our trip there, there was a lady in China that was dean of a language university that was a Christian whose husband was a seated member of the Communist Party. She couldn't be open about her faith. So she had begun to pray. How can I introduce Jesus and Christians to my students? Well, about six weeks before we got to Chiang Mai, Thailand, 50 Chinese freshmen, their first semester in college, left their country, came to Chiang Mai, and they were housed several doors down from the Christian Zone, a three-story complex that belongs to the church in Chiang Mai. And so we studied with a few Thai, but we studied with these Chinese people. And, And one of them had been specially chosen for me to take care of. Some friends had prayed and fasted, and they said, Phil, you must take Melody. The Lord has said, you must take Melody. Melody is the third one from the left, the second one from the right. And so I did. And she was one of the students that I read with each day and we began to talk. But she grabbed my heart because her story is a unique one. If you've ever done Let's Start Talking, one of the first things you do is you show pictures of your family so that the person that you're reading with knows who you are. And so I told her about my family and my wife and pictures of my kids and explained about foster kids. And all that captured her heart. But as she began to talk, she started telling her story and she began to have tears roll down her cheeks. And she talked about when she was six years old that she went to the old family place in a village in China to live with her 8-year-old sister and her 4-year-old brother. No parents, no grandparents. Grandparents were 45 minutes away if they could walk through the rice paddies quickly. They were alone. This is the old house they lived in. Now remember the chicken, because the chicken has an important role to play. They had no indoor plumbing. They had one light bulb eight-year-old girl raising a six-year-old sister and a four-year-old brother. And as Melly told her story, she began to sob, and she said, I wished I could have had someone like you and your wife, and I could be their foster daughter. And then years later, she went back and described this place where she lived, and she said, to get to our old house, we had to walk by the death shop. And the death shop was where a guy made coffins. And when somebody died, they would buy a coffin, and the person that had died would be laid in the coffin on his porch until it was time to bury them. And it was a cold, rainy day, and she was walking home, six and a half years old, no parents. If they were going to eat chicken, they would eat it all week. But first they had to kill the chicken. And then they had to defeather the chicken. They had to do everything from scratch. And as she was walking home, she said, I remember being afraid and cold and all alone and just screaming to the sky. Will anybody be my savior? She knew no religion until high school world history where she read one paragraph that said, Christians celebrate the birth of Jesus at Christmas. When she went to college, that's the only religion she knew. She didn't even know village folk religion. She had no background whatsoever. But as a young girl, she cried out, to a savior that she could not know. Thankfully, after four years of studying with Melody, Donna and I were able to be in Chiang Mai and uh, I was privileged to baptize Melody and a couple of other uh, ladies, uh, one of whom Donna had helped influence in January of 2014. Melody is not our foster daughter she is our spiritual daughter our forever daughter one of ours melody's sister that you see just to her well just the second person in on the left side is karen karen was the one that raised her Karen is very decisive. She had, after all, taken care of her brother and sister when she was eight years old till the time she went to, to a boarding school at 14. And so she was very decisive, and she found some of the Let's Start Talking materials and then asked if I would study with her on Skype, and she became a Christian two years before Melody did. This is a picture of them in a remote village in Thailand where we were on a mission for Compassion International to check on a family that are Karini, ethnic minority, uh, that are trying to learn about Jesus. So these two girls now are sharing their faith. Melody is in Bangkok, Thailand. Karen is in China, headed back to the U.S., and Karen works with us at Heartlight and com to translate God's Word into Chinese. That ushered in a whole series of things that changed our lives forever. I was going to preach a while. Now my focus is on missions and missionaries and helping churches. And I'm so thankful to work with you because of your passion for world missions. Over the years, we've gotten to see some of our our, uh, Peruvian young folks, orphans, grow up and become disciples of Jesus. And here's a picture of several of those. In addition, the one on the far left is the daughter of the missionary there. Her name is also Karen. And I get to talk to her about once or twice a month and coach her in what she's doing with uh, mission work. And she's responsible for a lot of the baptisms. In a real twist of God's grace, one of the people that I coach is a missionary in South Africa. And one year, a group of ACU students came to intern with him. And one of them's name was Tyler. He's in the blue shirt. The person he's got his arm around is his wife, Erica. She's the daughter of Robert Reagan, the missionary in Thailand. And Tyler was baptized in South Africa, and they're both going there in January to prepare to be lifetime missionaries. Just this past summer, I was privileged to be back in Asia with missionaries from 11 Asian countries to renew and restore and comfort and pray with that group, with a group called Come Before Winter, doing the first men's renewal. Come to Macedonia and help us. Wouldn't you like to have a call like that? If you listen, this church is receiving those calls all the time. And you're not sure exactly how it's going to fall on you. It may be to support. It may be to encourage your kids to go or your grandkids to go. It may be for you to go. But when you go, it's like pulling a thread on a woven sweater. And you start pulling that thread and you don't know where it's going to take you. But before long, you've lost everything to the thread And it's not that you've lost a sweater. It's like you've gained a family. You've gained the world. There's nothing quite like being able to baptize young men and young women into Jesus and for them to experience the joy of salvation when they've not had a family to suddenly be connected to people all over the world. And for them to know... That even though you can't speak clearly with each other, my Spanish is not so good. One of these days, you'll be in the presence of the real universal translator. And you'll know each other face to face. Come to Macedonia and help us. That's what today is a call to each of us. Come to Ghana and help us. Come to Cambodia and help us. Come to Honduras and help us. Because there are great things that God wants to do through you. But when I talk to folks about missions, there are four common objections that folks give to short-term mission trips. And they're well-intentioned objections. The first one is... Well, it costs so much to do this. Couldn't we just take all this money and send it to them and they'd get a lot more good from just having the money? So say John 3.16 with me. For God so loved the world that he gave lots of money. It was a lot more costly for Jesus to go on his mission trip, than any of us will ever pay. The song that Rodney led in us talks about him being highly exalted because he paid a great cost to go on his mission. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. God didn't send a book, he didn't send a committee, he didn't send money. He didn't send anyone that didn't have skin on. People that are lost and alone need to meet Jesus with skin on. And that's why we send real folks to go at a high cost. Some folks say, I I can't go. I just can't go. I'm too old or it's not a good time in my life or my kids are too young or I can't take off work. Well, if you can't go, send and pray. If you listen to Philippians 1, Paul says those folks are partnered with him because they sent him. You're every bit as much a part of that. If you listened to that video, and that was one of the reasons I want to make sure we saw that whole video, underneath it is, we can't do this without you. We need you to come, we need you to pray, we need you to support. A third objection is that uh, short-term mission work is really just for the folks that go. There's a book, and it's a largely a great book, When Helping Hurts is the title of the book, and it makes you rethink benevolence and helping. And one of the chapters is against short-term mission work. And it talks about how short-term mission work is ineffective. But the exceptions are when short-term mission work goes to the same place every year, develops relationships, plants churches, and mentors people. That kind of sounds like what y'all are doing, isn't it? You know, one of the first requests that I had from anybody in this church was when Leonard Riley said, I want you to pray that we can reach 300 people and plant 50 churches as a result of this trip to Ghana. And if you've listened to Doc at communion three times over the last uh, couple of months, I think we'll get there by the time this church goes back next year. When you go to the same place and you build relationships and you encourage missionaries and you grow disciples and you plant churches, it's invaluable. And it works. And it grows the church. And it builds the kingdom. And then there's this final objection, I'm just not qualified. I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not rich enough. And one of the important things to remember is that God rarely equips people before they're called. God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And if he calls you to go, I promise you, if you go with a servant's heart and a desire to lift up Jesus, the Holy Spirit will make you better than you are. Do I get an amen on that from those who have gone on missions? You get in over your head, and it's a bigger challenge, and somebody's talking to you, and you're going, you're listening with one ear, but the other ears listening to heaven because you're going, God, help me. I don't know what to say. What do I do now? What do I do? And somehow the Holy Spirit, who Jesus promised would give us in that hour what to say, gives us the right thing to say or we shut up and we just love on people and the next thing we know we're getting wet from hugging them when they come from the waters of baptism. It doesn't get any gooder than that. That's as good as it gets. For me, my symbol is Melody. She's the one that sucked me back into the world of missions and reminded me that people still respond to the simple gospel of Jesus and the love of Christians. And when I think about all that this church is committed to do and the seven commitments that it's about, I don't want you to see words on a screen or words on a paper. I want you to see real-life people whose lives have been changed. This church is answering a call of a missionary vision that your leaders have, to make mature and multiply followers of Jesus. And the seventh commitment is we will proclaim the gospel to the lost of this world. Why? Why? Because there's many more melodies out there waiting to be found. And when their lives are changed, they change forever. I'm going to ask the men to get ready to take this offering that we're about to give. I'm going to participate in this offering with you. I believe in what you're doing. And this offering, every bit of it is going to go to the work that you're doing to promote the gospel all over the world. And when we talk about that, it's not money and numbers. It's people who will be in your family forever. Let's pray. Father, on my heart right now are people that are on the board of Deseo. And folks that have gone to Honduras and sweated and loved and cared. On my heart right now are people in this church that uh, are so excited and can't wait till the next time they can go to Ghana and start new churches and make new brothers and sisters and create new hope. And on our minds this morning are folks like Jace and his little family. In and we ask your blessing on them as they begin to reach out in a challenging political situation to people that are hungry for Jesus. And we pray that you convert this money, you convert this money into lives surrendered to Jesus. We thank you for every person that sacrifices. And we ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: God is so So good. God God is so good. God. My God is good. My God is good. My God is good. My God is good. He is, is good, good. He is good, good for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
0: Darren, do you mind coming up and leading a special prayer blessing and thanksgiving over the offering we've just received? And I know you've been so invested in today, and I think you're the perfect person to do that at this minute.
2: You still have uh, pledge cards that weren't turned in. You can still do that. Uh, Put them in the box in the back, and we'll we'll get those as well. Let's pray. Our heavenly Father, we just come before you now. We thank you so much, Lord, that we can be part of your kingdom work. I thank you, Lord, for Phil and for Rodney and their dedication to serving you. Their work in the mission field lord it's it's so much of an honor to be part of that and we thank you lord for each one here and the passion that is here to serve in missions lord we pray for the for those in honduras and in ghana Uh, we thank you lord for Ben as he has dedicated his life to serving you we thank you for jason becca And we thank you for Phil and Donna, all their support, people that they have, uh, the struggles that they go through each day. Lord, we pray that you will touch their heart, that you will encourage them, that you will fill them with the full measure of your spirit. Uh, We pray, Lord, that the funds that we've collected today, that we just pray that you will give us... Uh, the wisdom and the passion and the desire to use that in the right way to honor you pray that every penny that we have lord we can put to good use serving you uh... pray that you will just bless this work and we do all this lord for your son we have this passion we thank you lord for the the great mission that your son came to this earth uh, to die on the cross for us. We thank you for that and pray that we can do our part uh, to serve you. We thank you so much. In your son's name we pray. Amen.
0: If you've been on a mission trip to Ghana, would you stand, please? I know we've got several that are gone today that couldn't be here. If you been on a mission trip to Honduras would you please stand and if you've been on a mission trip to some other place please stand now you got to hear about some of my folks and you have got to hear a little bit about some of Doc's folks and you've gotten to hear some in the past about some of Rodney's folks but talk to these people And they'll tell you, it's not about mission trips. It's about eternal friendships. Let's stand. We're going to have an invitation, and uh, there's no need for you to sit down any longer. Uh, There's a passage of Scripture in 1 John, and it says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and the sins of the whole world. We want you to know that the reason this church goes and gives and prays and sins is because we believe Jesus is the answer for every heart and every life and every future. And if you're here, you need to know this church is committed to reach folks in this town. And it's got a number of ministries that are focused on doing that. But this moment is for you. If Jesus isn't your Savior, we want you to know he can be your Savior too. Come confess him as Lord. Share with him in his death, burial, and resurrection through faith and in baptism. And you're going to be a part of God's family and our family forever. We want you to know the Lord is who you need. And we will give you this opportunity as we sing.